I don't know if you've noticed or not, but almost every day in America now is the national day of something. For instance, today is National Bubble Tea Day, National Raisin Day, National Oatmeal Cookie Day, and National Bugs Bunny Day. Now you know how to spend your afternoon watching Bugs Bunny and eating oatmeal cookies. That's not the entire list. But in any case, we missed a very important national day back on April the 6th. Does anybody know what April 6th was? Well, along with being National Burrito Day and National Caramel Popcorn Day, it was also, and very importantly, National Teflon Day. A day to celebrate the Teflon that was accidentally discovered in 1938 and didn't make it to cookware until 1961 with the introduction of the Happy Pan. Nothing sticks to it. We should have celebrated Teflon Day because it describes who we should be every day as followers of Christ, as His devoted disciples, we should live Teflon lives. Even though we live in the world, the things of the world should not stick to us. They once did. We're familiar with the ways of the world. They're not strange or foreign to us. We know their allure. We know their appeal. But now, you and I must be coded with the Teflon of holiness, so that those things no longer stick to us while we're living in this world. We read it in the bulletin earlier this morning. These questions that the Apostle Paul puts before us. What do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or or light and darkness. And the call of Scripture is for us, because we are God's people, to come out from among them, to be separate from them. And that's the call of holiness on your life and on my life. You and I must live lives set apart to and set apart for Christ. That's what we're going to talk about this morning as we return to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. So I want to ask if you have your Bibles, if you'll take them and turn there now. If you don't have a Bible with you, look in the pew in front of you and you should find one there. And when you've found your place in 1 Peter, I want to ask you to stand so that we might hear read together the word of the living God. First Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 13, this is the word of the Lord. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask now that you would, through the power of your word and the presence of your spirit, teach us more what it means to live lives of holiness before you. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. 
You know, the temptation that I have to fight every week, particularly in these sermons about holiness, is this desire to re-preach last week's sermon. Because this idea of holiness is so significant. It's so important to our lives that I want you to hear it rightly. But I can't re-preach every week's sermon, so I can just point you to our website I can tell you the sermons are there if you want to hear more of the context of holiness and the heart with which these words are written, not only from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but through Peter. Go there, listen to those sermons. Last week, we looked at the first of two characteristics of holiness that are not ethereal, They're not otherworldly, though there is that aspect of holiness. But these are concrete things. They are things that we can do to achieve holiness in our lives. And instead of leaving it to float above and beyond us in some sort of a spiritual Milky Way. That first concrete characteristic of holiness was holiness wholeness, completeness. You and I are not whole people. We have divided hearts. We live divided lives. Some of the things that divide our hearts are part of the reality of living in a sinful, broken world. But much of the dividedness in our hearts is of our own making and of our own desire. But Jesus says, You cannot serve two masters. That would be to have a divided heart. And so you and I can choose to detach ourselves from the things that separate us from God. We can choose the increasing wholeness that always comes when we choose Christ as our master. We can concretely think about what people or things or longings have mastery over us. What thoughts and actions and pursuits have mastery over us. We can think concretely about how much of our lives we attempt to keep to ourselves and for ourselves. And how much of our lives we live for Jesus. You and I don't gain by being divided people. We lose. I like how succinctly 17th century Puritan William Jenkins puts it. There's nothing destroyed by sanctification, this process of becoming holy, but that which would destroy us. There's nothing destroyed by living a holy life except that which would destroy us. When God calls us to holiness, He calls us to wholeness. To have Christ Replace the emptiness to fill in the missing pieces to restore us. Holiness is wholeness. This morning, we turn then to the second concrete characteristic of holiness. And that is being set apart. Being set apart. Though the implications and the application of holiness in our lives are not simple, the definition is God has made it simple for us, not complicated, not convoluted, 
on its most basic level, holiness means to be dedicated or consecrated to the service of God. It's that simply stated. To be dedicated or consecrated to the service of God. And the emphasis is on otherness. Separate from other than. Philip Ryken is the president of Wheaton College. And he writes, holiness means separation. Something holy is set apart. In the case of God, holiness means he is set apart from everything he has made. Holiness is not simply his righteousness, although that's part of it, but also his otherness. And so holiness calls you and me to otherness. Holy simply means set apart for God's use and God's purpose. Every single week when we come to this table, the table of the Lord, I pray. And now, Lord, we ask that you would set aside these elements from their common use and transform them into a means of grace. You see, that's the point of holiness. Something that's common being used for God. You know, I was thinking it could be possible that Moses, when he was tending his flock on the backside of that mountain, he, he might have passed that famous bush many times. He might have stopped by it to look at it. He might have stood right beside it or sat right beside it. But on that day, the day that that bush was on fire, God said to him, Don't come near, Moses. Take off your sandals because the ground upon which you stand is holy ground. The ground was no longer common. It was holy because God had transformed it by His presence. R.C. Sproul writes, What makes something sacred what makes something holy is the touch of God upon it. When the one who is himself other and different touches that which is ordinary, it becomes extra ordinary. When he touches you, you become uncommon. See, God has touched our lives. He's filled us with his Holy Spirit. And now we must live uncommon, set-apart lives, extraordinary lives. And from what are we set apart? Look with me, if you will, in verse 14. Peter calls it former ignorance. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but be holy as God is holy. Not this, but that. Not common, but holy. And the word that Peter uses here for conform just means to form according to a pattern or a mold. And so when God touched our lives, we must no longer shape our lives, mold our lives, pattern our lives around what the world tells us is valuable, what the world tells us we need, what we 
once thought was valuable, what we once thought we needed, the things that we went after with a vengeance before we met Jesus and he changed us. No, like Teflon, we must not let those things stick to our acting or stick to our thinking or stick to our being. We must be set apart from what we once thought was so important, what we once thought we must have when we lived in ignorance. Not unintelligence, but ignorance. We didn't know we were supposed to be set apart from anything. These days, nothing is off limits. We didn't know that there was a God to whom we owed everything, even the life in our bodies. We didn't know of the eternal life that we have in Christ, but now we do know, you and I. Now we're no longer ignorant. And so now we spend our days asking, Lord, for what purpose? For what uncommon use have you set me apart? The Old Testament contains such vivid, dramatic images of holiness and set-apartness. The God used to teach His people what it looks like to be holy. Now, if you still have your Bible open, look back with me, if you will, up in verse 2. There you see that Peter has used this word sprinkling, sprinkling with the blood of Christ. And with this word, Peter takes us back to the Old Testament. Sprinkling was the way that common things were set apart and made uncommon, made holy unto God. In Exodus chapter 24, after God had led his people out of the slavery of Egypt, he then confirmed his covenant promise with them to be their God and that they would be his people by having Moses take the blood of an ox. And half of the blood Moses sprinkled on the altar where the sacrifices were made to God, and half of the blood Moses sprinkled on the people, saying these words, Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you. And so the sprinkling of this blood represented the union between God, represented by the altar, and His people. Joined together by the blood, the sprinkled people now set apart as God's own people. And these, of course, are the words that Jesus uses. In the upper room at the Last Supper, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Likewise, before man became a priest, blood was put on his right ear and his big toe and his thumb. And then blood was sprinkled on the altar. And that man was set apart unto God, and God said, you shall make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it, holy to the Lord. And you shall fasten that plate on the turban by a cord of blue, and it shall be on the front of the turban. It shall be on Aaron's forehead, holy to the Lord. And so it's no surprise that Peter is the one who calls you and me a kingdom of priests to serve as God. Look over in chapter 2 
of 1 Peter, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is set apart. So we see ourselves as set apart and as special and as holy as those who were considered the most holy people on earth. It's what's so beautiful about baptism. It represents cleansing. Like in the Old Testament, sprinkled things became clean things. But beyond that, it represented set-apartness. Whether the water is sprinkled on the head, whenever it's sprinkled on the head, cleanness and set-apartness are gravely and beautifully symbolized. No longer common. Now, set apart for God. It's why our confession of faith tells us that we should improve upon our baptism. Whenever we see the sacrament, whether with a child or an adult, improve upon your baptism. Ask yourself, am I living a life holy to God? Am I being set apart for God? And here's the beauty of holy things in the Old Testament. Anything could be used for God as holy. Even the shovel that scooped the ashes out of the altar, holy to God. Isn't that good news? God doesn't choose only what we label as bright or beautiful or special or extraordinary in our terms. No, God can take anything and make it special or extraordinary. Even a piece of ground, even a shovel. And so you and I must feel the full weight of these words sprinkling with His blood that Peter writes. And if you'll forgive the crudeness of it, by me saying Jesus was the ultimate Teflon man. And I don't say that to denigrate our Lord, but to illustrate. Jesus went through his human life on earth, and he was holy, 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 always holy. None of the sins of this world stuck to him. And like Daniel and his friends, who emerged from the fiery furnace, not even the smell of smoke was on their clothes. So our Lord Jesus went through his life on this earth holy. Not while living as a recluse, set apart in the desert, but holy while he was eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes. While he was telling those same kind of people Stories about his kingdom, welcoming them to listen. And even when he was alone, isolated in the wilderness, in the place where the greatest temptations came upon him, all alone, 40 days in the desert, those temptations did not stick because Jesus was coated with the holiness of God. 
He was coated with the truth of the Word of God. Little wonder that Jesus prayed so much while He was on earth. In His divinity, He was holy. In His humanity, He chose to be holy every moment. And then came that agonizing moment on the cross. The moment where the Teflon came off and all the sin that would not stick to him during his life suddenly did. And Jesus was covered with it. Our holy Lord. He took the sins that stuck to us and clung to us on himself so that he might communicate his holiness to us. Because of the cross, you and I can be holy. Because of the cross, we must be holy. How holy? How holy ought we to be? Look in verse 15. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. All. All your conduct, in all your behavior, in every way that you live, be holy. Christ shed His blood to sprinkle us, to set us apart so that we might have a sprinkled mind, clean and set apart, so that we might have a sprinkled heart, clean, set apart for God. So that you and I might have a sprinkled tongue. So that we might have a sprinkled attitude. So that we might have a sprinkled playlist. So that we might have a sprinkled watch list. Be holy in all your conduct, in every area of life. Are you? Do you see yourself set apart to God? Not perfect. Not perfect. But set apart. Teflon, coating yourself with prayer and with the Word of God so that the things of this world don't stick to you and don't cling to you. When we intentionally see ourselves as God sees us, set apart unto Him, that will inform every decision that you and I make in our lives. It will inform how we act at that party that we probably should still go to, even though we know what might go on there, set apart in the midst of the party. You know, believers are so often worried, concerned about evangelism. We ask, oh, what can we do to bring people to Christ? Here's what we can do. Live a holy life before them. As I've said, and I will continue to say until I don't have the breath to say it or a pulpit from which to say it, we, you and I, must be before we do. We can do lots of good things in this world without being holy, without being set apart to God. And often that becomes the great distraction of the church, does it not? We load people up with ministry. This we suppose, is the mark of a great church. All that they do, what are you doing, doing, doing in your community? And of course, we must do. I agree wholeheartedly. But the pitfall of doing is that it so often satisfies us or so often exhausts us that we don't think very much about being. And yet, the being 
is so much more effective than the doing. Being Teflon. Being holy people before the people that God brings into your life. People that the person sitting beside you in the pew right now, they may never meet them. They may never see them, but you know them. You talk about evangelistic effectiveness. Let other people see you and me consistently living a holy life. Listen, not a judgmental life. Can you say that with me? Not a judgmental life. Say it with me. Not a judgmental life. No, a holy life. Let them hear speech that comes from a tongue consistently seeking to set, be set apart for God's use. A tongue to which the anger and the rancor and the hate of the world does not stick. Let them see a holy hope in our lives that the Democrats and CNN, the Republicans and Fox News can't steal from us. A holy hope. Let them see a holy satisfaction with a simple life that we live. Not the rat race life of accumulating more and more. Let them see us live a life set apart. I'll repeat those questions that the Apostle Paul asked. What do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Fellowship of light and darkness. What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Therefore, go out of their midst, be separate from them, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. I'm going to put two prophetic images before you, and then we're done. And they're very short. They're very short. But this is what God showed the prophet Zechariah. Many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favor of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days ten men from the nations of every tongue shall take hold of the robe of a Jew, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. The beauty of our being a holy people is that those that need to know God will know who to go to in order to know God. And that's you and me, His holy, set-apart people. And then Zechariah writes in verse chapter 14, And on that day there shall be inscribed on the bells of the horses, Holy to the Lord. And every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holy to the Lord of hosts, so that all who sacrifice may come and take of them and sacrifice in them. Even the bells of the horses are holy. Every cooking pot in Jerusalem, holy. Everything set apart for the worship of a holy God. Teflon people. 
This is reality worth living for. Now, let's pray. Father, we do ask that you would help us to be set-apart people. Give us the boldness and the trust and the faith in you to be set apart, to let go of what we think we cannot let go of in order to be holy. We can give us the faith to trust that when we let go, when we live lives set apart unto you, all will be well because you are with us. You long to communicate your holiness to us and through us to a world who needs Christ. And so we pray that you would help us be holy, the glory of God. In the name of Christ we pray, amen.